This is Timothy Zahn, author of Star Wars Heir to the Empire, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. Hey, Aaron, did you know that you are nominated to be the best fanboy host of podcasting in Star Wars? I don't think they call it the best fanboy host. It's just the fanboy host category. But it should be called best. I don't understand why these categories don't say best in front of them. Or favorite. Yeah. should be like you're nominated to be the favorite fanboy host. I just think it's cool that there's Star Wars podcast awards at all now. This is the first thing. This is kind of a first time, at least in my experience, that I've heard of uh, any kind of podcast awards for Star Wars podcasting. Well, I think they've tried to do it in the past, haven't they? But it just didn't like catch on or whatever. This is the first year it's really caught on. Yeah, it like, seems like this. I, I know I've seen a couple attempts at it before, but it feels like this is the first time that you're really seeing a lot of participation. Like a, a lot of the shows that most of us are familiar with, you know, are kind of promoting it and... You know, when you see the list of nominees, it's a lot of people that we know, a lot of other podcaster friends. So, yeah, it's it's been pretty cool. Yep. So we're nominated in a few categories. The show is. We're nominated in the editing and production quality. And unfortunately, people can't vote for that one anymore for the uh, finalists, I guess, because this is the semifinals since that one closed. But favorite fanboy host is up and you are nominated along with a lot of other people uh, that we know about 102 <laughs> yeah other people pretty but... much if you are a host of a star wars podcast you got nominated so the cool thing would be to get to the final round mm-hmm. which is like the final five so if ten. you make it if you make it oh is it 10 10 for 10 for the host categories five for the others got it so if you make it to the final which is 10 then that's where it really starts to to feel like, oh, yeah, this is something that's kind of cool, something special. I might win a popularity contest. Yeah, right. (laughs) But, no, I think it's – I think in general it's kind of a – it's a cool thing that's happening. It's um, it's actually at StarWarsPodcastAwards.com. So if anybody does want to vote, you can head over to StarWarsPodcastAwards.com. And I kind of cut you off because you were going through the categories. So continue. Yeah, so the show's also nominated for – best or favorite or whatever intro music and i'm excited about that because i love ours but you have a funny story about ours it's not funny but it's just sort of like antidotal antic how do you say that word anecdotal 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 yeah i think that it's funny and i think this is another case of you know like kind of like we're saying if you are a host you're probably nominated I think if you are a podcast with intro music, you're nominated. So I don't know. No, if, not necessarily. I don't know if that speaks to the quality of our intro. Um, but yeah, kind of the story behind our intro was we had a podcast. We needed to get it up on iTunes. And I threw it together in a few minutes um, thinking that we would replace it eventually with something better. And it kind of stuck. So our intro was never intended to be the intro that we stuck with. Um, and I still kind of feel like it's it could be better. But no, you can't get rid of it because like there's it, so. the line that's like, is that what I was supposed to be doing here? Like, you can't get rid of that. Should have brought my lightsaber. Should have brought my lightsaber. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
which those are, I mean, most listeners probably figured out by now, but those are all clips from audiobooks right. um, to go with the bookworms theme. But all from Legends books. It was a books, brilliant though. idea. So we haven't, they're all from Legends books, so we haven't updated to any canon books yet. So I have thought about doing an updated intro, including clips from canon books, but. Yeah, but then we have to go buy those. Yeah, but you know how it is with, with a podcast. When you listen to as many episodes as people have listened to for our show, it kind of, that gets stuck in your head, like the intro. And so yep. when they change it, it sounds wrong. So I feel like mm-hmm. at this point, we really can't change it, at least not no. for a while. No. And then, of course, the ultimate category for us is the favorite literature podcast. Yes. And this category does not have a lot of shows in it. And I think it's about 16, something like that. I think I counted 16 or 17 that got nominated. Um, yeah, so this is kind of the one that is the most relevant to what we do. And It's um, the big one. It's yeah. the big kahuna. This is the one we really hope to make that final five. For this category specifically, it's a final five. So, yeah, we if would If we love... don't make the final five or this, I'm going to cry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to cry. We are nominated with Star Wars Beyond the Films, Classic Marvel Star Wars comics, that's from Skywalking Through Neverland, Comics in the Cantina, Comics with Kenobi, It's a Trap something. There's a lot. Yeah, there's a number of them I I haven't actually heard of, and I was like, oh, wow. I didn't even realize there was this many. You know, when you try to list the literature podcasts that are out there, um, you know, usually you can do it on one hand, but then I didn't realize there were other ones out there. So it would be interesting just to kind of discover new ones and go listen to them. Um, but yeah, it's, if you, if you like our show, head over to starwarspodcastawards.com, throw, throw a couple votes our way and maybe we'll make the final round in a couple of these categories. Mm-hmm. There's one more category, but it feels weird for me to say it. <laughs> well, yeah. Fangirl host is one, yeah. obviously. But, but to be fair. Then next to my name, they have me as being from Star Wars Bookworms. I did notice that, which I was like, maybe that was just kind of, they they just picked one, or maybe that was the one you got the most nominations for. I don't know. Because I know when you actually did the nomination, uh, when you filled out the, the form for nominations, you were supposed to put the name of the host and what show you were nominating them for. Um, so, yeah, it would be interesting to find out if you got nominated more for Bookworms than you did for Fangirls Going Rogue. Wow. That would be crazy. That'd be weird. <laughs> <laughs> but, but either way, head on over to StarWarsPodcastAwards.com and vote for us. Yeah, vote for Star Wars Bookworms and, and any other ones that we're involved in, which I think for the most part are all other Teresa shows. But, um, you know, <laughs> we have, uh, you know, Rebel Yell, well, which is something I, I tend to take a part in from time to time. You which are a part of the Jedi Council, sir. So, yeah, so if we win that, you win that. Right. And we just talked about that. We just recorded Rebel Yell and we just said if we win some stuff for Rebel Yell, you can bet that we will be introducing the show as, you know, whatever the award winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a cool thing and uh, hopefully people will participate. And I'm actually really curious to see how it all turns out and also excited to see, um, you know, if we win awards, if some of our friends, I mean, we have friends all through the podcasting community, so I'm sure somebody we know is going to win some of these awards, so it'll be it'll be fun. Yeah, very much. But you are not listening to a podcast award show. You are listening to Star Wars Bookworms. We are actually on episode number 54, 
And on this episode, we're going to be talking about Before the Awakening because we are finally getting to that to review it. But we have some new stuff first and then some feedback from you guys, our listeners. So thank you for emailing us. So first up on our agenda is talking about the book club. Right now, it's Before the Awakening and Moving Target. Seems to be going pretty well. Yeah, that was actually kind of our February books, so we're a little late on introducing March. Um, but I know that's two, you know, two smaller junior novels. Um, I'm sure a lot of people were able to get through them pretty quick. I think there's still some people uh, kind of getting through them and still discussing them. So um, if anyone has any suggestions on what they'd like to see us do for March, definitely head over to Goodreads and uh, you know put those suggestions out there. Uh, but we will be selecting probably a mid-March book, I guess you could say, uh, to, to continue on with this. But yeah, some good discussion going on over there. You know, we always like to see more people adding, you know, or jumping into the club. We, it seems like we're constantly getting more members. So um, yeah, Goodreads. Check out goodreads.com and search for Star Wars Bookworms and you'll find us over there. So first up on our news agenda, Marvel actually released an announcement about adult coloring books that are coming out. Have you gotten into the adult coloring books? I have. I mean, I haven't personally. I know they're kind of all the rage right now. Um, I have some close friends that that are into, you know, the adult coloring books. And normally it was just more the ones I had seen out there at least were kind of artistic or animals or birds. But now you're starting to see them pop up for pop culture. I know some Doctor Who ones have come out recently. Mm-hmm. Well, and, they're coming. Or they're coming. Mm-hmm. And then now, you know, what we're about to talk about, Marvel is jumping into the ring um, for the adult coloring books. Well, I'm in. I'm. I do it. I have Star Wars and Harry Potter ones, so those are cool. And there's Disney ones as well. And I like the ones with butterflies. And I also like the flower ones, <laughs> and they're fun. They're they're actually quite relaxing. But like you said, pop culture ones are coming out. I actually have Game of Thrones and Outlander ones right here next to me that were giveaways for Disney Vault Talk. So I need to mail those out. But yeah, they're coming out for everything. So Marvel is releasing three. And they are going to be, the first one is going to be $9.99 and it comes out in September and it is called Color Your Own Women of Power. And it is, like if you look at its cover art, it is all about, you know, female superheroes and villains and stuff like that. It looks awesome and I can't wait. I have to buy that one. The second one is Color Your Own Doctor Strange. And that one comes out in October. And then the last one, the reason we're mentioning it is because it's Color Your Own Star Wars, and the cover of it is the cover of Star Wars Volume 1, or uh, number 1, Star Wars number 1, where Luke is standing kind of in the middle, and Han and Leia and everybody are behind him. So I think it's going to be like your traditional comic book art type style, but blank for you to color, which I think is really neat. So you can color the Star Wars characters however you've imagined them. I will color them in shades of purple. I don't know. <laughs> Are you going to get one of these? Get the Star Wars one? Um, hmm. I don't know. I'm not. It's it's definitely not something that's up my alley. Um, I don't imagine myself sitting down in the evening and getting a nice cup of tea and relaxing to coloring. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just not my thing. So probably not. I might pick it up just to look at the art, you know, to see, you know, what art they use just out of curiosity. Um, but yeah, I don't know if I'll actually be using them. 
I'm not I'm not much of an artist to be honest. I've that's something I wish I was talented at, but I'm not. So yeah, I don't I don't know if I will. Sometimes you just have to square with it. Like I'm not good with numbers. Right. But I guess if you're not a good artist, this would be the thing to do because it's already the art's already there. You just have to fill it in, you know. Mm-hmm. Keep it in the lines, right? Keep it in. Or not, depending on what kind of art you're doing. It's up to you. So I'm probably not as excited about this as you are, but it is kind of an interesting thing. Kind of cool. Kind of cool. So tell me about what's going on with Poe Dameron. Yeah, so Marvel announced that they're actually going to be doing uh, Poe Dameron events for the release of the the comic, uh, Poe Dameron number one. Um, so they're having a release events at you know participating comic book retailers and i think it's at the very beginning stages so comic book shops are probably in the process of trying to get approved but um april 6th is the date so they haven't announced any locations yet but um, i guess as it gets closer um, we'll probably be getting some announcements on which comic book shops are going to be participating you can probably check your local comic book shop and see if they're going to be participating but yeah launch party i guess they're calling it uh there's gonna be all kinds of giveaways they're gonna be doing buttons and um, I think some exclusive art, things like that. So I think it'd be a fun thing to attend if, if I can find a local comic book shop that's doing it. Um, I think you probably will have an easier time finding it than I mm-hmm. will. Cause I know you have a lot of comic book shops around you. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I am definitely going to go to an event if there is one. And this will probably one be one of the few comics that I get all of the variant covers for because they all have freaking BB-8 on them. So gotta have it. <laughs> it's got BB-8 on it. I gotta buy it. And I'm they're even there. doing um, another one of those exclusive um, Jackson variants. It seems to be kind of a thing now. Um, I know they did it with Star Wars number one. There was a Jackson uh, version, and by Jackson, if no one's familiar with that char- character, it's the kind of infamous green rabbit that shows up in the classic Marvel comic series. Um, I know Clone Wars, or was it Clone Wars? Clone Wars did kind of a, a shout-out to Jackson at one point. Um, he he ended up on the cover of some comics, some variant covers, and now he's going to be showing up on a variant cover of Poe Dameron number one. So if you're a collector of Jackson, you'll want to look out for that one. All right, and let's see. What do we have coming out this month? On March 30th, Star Wars, the Star Wars special C-3PO number one comes out. So I'm excited for that because I need to figure out what the heck is up with his arm. And honestly, I didn't even notice in The Force Awakens that his arm goes back to gold at the end of the movie. You know what? I didn't notice that either until somebody somebody had to point it out to me, but I didn't pick up on that. Yeah, so I now I really need to know the story of the arm. It's bugging me, like a lot. So that comes out on March 30th, so I don't know. I've, I, I might buy that too. <laughs> Just because it's something that's intriguing me. And then I think, last up, we just want to give a big thank you to Marianne Zissimos from Disney Press because she has graciously included us in their group of people that they send books to. So we're starting to get stuff from Disney Press, which is good because now we can include them in our review schedule. So coming up will be Ray's story, and then we'll actually kind of review and talk about what's what the original Star Wars the original trilogy graphic novel. It's a really cool book. I had no idea it was even coming out in the first place. Yeah, I was surprised to get it um, when I opened my box from them. I was like, "What's this comic book?" I wasn't expecting a comic book from Disney Press. 
Yeah, because it says Star Wars, the original trilogy, a graphic novel. The art is a little bit cartoony, sort of manga-ish, a little bit, but not too much. And it has New Hope, Empire, and Return of the Jedi. Oh, it's the entire trilogy. It's it's all three. Okay. And it starts off with the crawl for the film. Um, it's not the exact crawl from the film, I don't think. Maybe it is. I, I don't know it, but word for word. But it just goes right into it, into this, you know, awesome comic book style stuff. Some of the cool things with the bubbles is like when Vader talks, the bubbles are black with white outlines instead of white with black outlines. So that's mm. kind of neat. Yeah, but thank you to Disney Press for sending us those, and we will get on them and get them read and reviewed. So let's jump into some email stuff here. Yeah, we got actually more emails this time than we got last time, which oh. is surprising. We were talking about how we hardly ever get emails, and then that that caused a lot of our listeners to send us emails um, in our show before we interviewed Pablo. And then now we got a lot more. So, And some of these emails are actually from people who heard we were interviewing Pablo and actually sent questions. Unfortunately, we weren't able to ask any questions um, from the emails to Pablo, but um, we'll probably still read through these emails anyways. Um, and then if there's any questions we think we can answer, we, we might try to take a stab at it. But unfortunately, Pablo's not here to help us out with it. <laughs> All right, well, I'll start with this one from Jared Anderson. He said, Hey guys, I am excited that you two have the opportunity to interview Mr. Hidalgo. Your quirky enthusiasm and keen insights when interviewing guests will make the conversation entertaining. If it's not too late and I won't become a move milker, I have a couple of Star Wars book-related questions that I think would be interesting to ask Pablo or yourselves. So the first, first question is, how are new novels brought to the story group's attention? Are they presented as draft novels, outlines, or concepts? Or will the story group approach an author about writing a story? So... That's a story group question. We made a point not to ask him anything about story group stuff. I would imagine they work really closely, hand in hand, but we can't really comment because <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> yeah, we are not aware. So So the second question is, I realize you haven't reviewed this book yet, but I'm very curious. In The Weapon of the Jedi, there seems to be implications as to what Luke has done between Episode 6 and 7. In the book, C-3PO says that Luke went back to... Is that Deveron? Deveron. Deveron. And it seems that the Temple of Edith would be an ideal place to train new Jedi. I wonder, is the Temple of Edith where Luke trained Jedi? And is it a location in Rey's Force Vision? I am hopefully seeking more info about how Luke gathered and trained Jedi. I have not read Weapon of a Jedi yet, so don't have a clue, Aaron. <laughs> I actually have started reading Weapon of Jedi, um, but I haven't finished it i mean it's an interesting theory for sure but um you know anything we could just guess as much as jared can guess so there's really you know i think it's a, a pretty cool theory and i once i get back into reading that book um i'll definitely have that on my mind as i'm reading through it See, so he finishes by saying i started reading star wars books in the late 90s and then fell out of it around 2001 Life happened, and I lost interest. Well, life happens to people, oh, unfortunately. lost interest, though. Before I learned about the canon reset, getting back into Star Wars reading seemed impossible. Learning about the new canon in the story group has rekindled my Star Wars reading habit. 
I've spent all my Audible credits on every new canon Star Wars book, listening to each book three or more times. I religiously show up to my local comic book store every Wednesday to collect every Marvel Star Wars comic. I am also buying every book like the Force Awakens Visual Dictionary that I can put my hands on. To summarize it, an exciting time to be a Star Wars bookworm. Always may the Force be with you, Jared. Well, thank you, Jared. I think we... we I like that. We're yeah. I like Star the, Wars bookworms. <laughs> I like the positive outlook on the new canon stuff and it, it's cool that he's keeping up with everything audible is a great way to do that i actually just became an audible member myself um and uh i think there's another question that's coming up about audiobooks so i'll save some of some of that for that question but yeah we agree with you jared it's it is a it is a, an exciting time to be a star wars bookworm you're up all right so next email here is from thomas myers and he says Hey, Teresa and Aaron, longtime listener slash lurker here. Just wanted to say hello and how much I enjoy listening to your show. I also have a question. I've heard of the new Young Reader Star Wars Wild Space series, which appears to be a UK exclusive. Do you think you'll grab copies of the series? Anyway, keep up the good or the great work. Sincerely, Thomas Myers. Um, we can answer that question before we answer his next question. Sure. Um, yeah, I actually... Because of your question, Thomas, I looked up because I hadn't heard of this series either. So I looked it up, and it does look like it's going to be in the UK. I'm not sure if there's going to be a US release, but it does. It looks like an interesting, interesting series, and I'm assuming it will be canon since it's new, a new Star Wars story. So yeah, I think we'll probably try to get our hands on it if we can. I already have my feelers out to the Jedi news peeps. I've told them I need these, and they will be buying them for me. And they said okay. All right. <laughs> so. Well, there you go. So, yeah, if we can get our hands on it pretty easily, I think we would even uh, probably review these. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's thanks for the information, Thomas. Uh, he also goes on here, P.S., will you be at Celebration London? I really love seeing your live show back in Anaheim last year. So so he was at our live show. That's awesome. Yay, thanks for coming. Hope um, you got a button or yeah. two. But Celebration London, unfortunately... Um, is not going to happen for me. It was something that I was definitely contemplating and priced it out, tried to figure it out if it would work, but I decided um, ultimately to not attend, and especially once the tickets sold out. I was kind of holding out hope that I would figure out a way, and then once I saw the tickets sold out, um, that was kind of the nail in the coffin for that one. But yeah, I won't be going, but I do. I definitely depend. I definitely plan to uh, attend all future U.S. celebrations, which means I'll be going to wherever it is in 2017. I will definitely be heading to that one. Yeah, I won't be there either. Sad face. <laughs> all right, next up is from Chickafant, and they said, Hey there, Teresa and Aaron. Thanks for sharing your listeners' emails in episode 52. It was fun to hear what others think about recent books that they've read, as well as present questions for all of us to think about. I agree Lost Stars would be a great gift for Valentine's Day. It's the number one book in the new canon that I've read that I recommend to friends. I also agree with you both that because anything related to The Force Awakens is so new to us, the Visual Dictionary is a must-have. Even if it doesn't answer all of the questions we were left with after the movie, it does help provide some fun details and, most importantly, names for many of the new characters that were only seen briefly on screen. My dad and I look forward to hearing your interview with Pablo Hidalgo. 
He was the Star Wars celebrity on the Star Wars Day at Sea Cruise that my parents and I took in January. Pablo gave a presentation about the making of the Visual Dictionary, so it will be fun to hear if you can get any new information from him. One of the facts that my parents and I enjoyed Pablo sharing was how he was able to add his own Beastie Boys tributes to the Star Wars universe by naming some of the background characters. Speaking of naming characters, if you were asked for a suggestion on a character to be included in a future Star Wars movie so they would appear on screen, what sort of character would you recommend? What would their species be, their role or job in the galaxy, and most importantly, what would be their name? Thanks again for sharing the world of Star Wars literature with the rest of us. Chickafant. Okay, so <laughs> I read this a while ago, and then I just came back to it now. So now my brain's like moving, like, what would I do? Have you thought about this? I actually remember reading this email when it first came in and thinking, I need to prepare for this question before <laughs> we do it on the air. And now as we're reading it again, I did not prepare. Um. Okay, so I can say what their species would be. Like, they'd be an Ewok, for what? sure. Okay. Okay, it would be, it'd totally be an Ewok, would be mine. Um, their role or their job in the galaxy, they would be a pirate. An Ewok pirate? I'm making, okay. I'm making this up right now as I go. Um, they would be an Ewok pirate and... Um, their name, I'm just going to go with the Ewok that was made for me by Zach Gialongo. It would be Reebok. No, you can't use Reebok. Why not? It's a brand name. That's, That's like a brand name. of a shoe. That's what we <laughs> named him. We named him Reebok the Ewok. I can I'm, do whatever I want. There's going to be not... licensing problems. Well, I mean, we'll this is... Get, we'll get Reebok <laughs> shoes made with Star Wars stuff on them so that we can use them. <laughs> Uh, so Reebok I, the Ewok as an Ewok pirate. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Wow. Okay. Um. Hmm. Or what? Okay. Like you go ahead. I'm gonna pull up a Star Wars name randomizer. <laughs> but you go ahead. I think if I could put a character into the Star Wars universe, it would probably be a Jedi because I'm boring like that, and I really like Jedi. Could have guessed that. Yeah. Um. I don't know, species. I'm also boring in that I tend to like the human characters too. Like, um, maybe beyond that, I'd go with something maybe like a Twi'lek. Maybe a cool, hu or not human, a cool uh, Jedi Twi'lek. Hmm. And then, let's see, as far as name goes, I used to have this uh, name that I would use for any Star Wars characters that I created in something like Star Wars Galaxies, something like that. Uh, which was like basically my name kind of tried to be put into a Star Wars way. So it was Aaron Jin. <laughs> like double A dash R O N. This is like getting getting behind the scenes. <laughs> but, so I guess but then with a last name like Jin, that would that would kind of um imply that it would be related to Qui Gon Jin. So then it couldn't be a Twi'lek. So maybe I'll just go with human Jedi named Aaron Jin. Okay. Well, I'm sticking with Reebok then. Because <laughs> that's a better name than Aaron Jin. <laughs> Anything is. Really. Okay. Thank you, Chickafant. Oh, <laughs> Although right. you gave us plenty of time to prepare for this question, neither of us we were prepared. didn't do it. <laughs> All right. Let's see here. 
The next one Julia. is from, nope. no, it's from Dante. <laughs> so this is yours. This is me. All right. Dante says, you asked, dot, dot, dot. Hello again. Since you asked, here's what I did for my wife on Valentine's Day. Oh, yeah. I forgot <laughs> about this. He attached a picture. Um, ah. Okay. So he decorated he decorated his house with really cool, like, Valentine's Day decorations, hearts, and Disney things like that. Stuff. Hanging from the ceiling. It's Disney? Yeah, it's Disney. It's Rapunzel and Cinderella uh, and Tiana. See, I'm looking at it on my phone, so this it's kind of small. I but am yeah, too, and I, I rotated it. I can see and that. And I zoomed in. Oh, yeah, and so his it... wedding pictures are pretty. I'm totally creeping on Dante's house right now. <laughs> hey, he sent us the picture. So let's see here. So he says, see attached. The decorations were for her birthday, January 27th, but she wanted to keep them up till Valentine's Day. Makes sense because there's a lot of hearts there. Um, I, I added that. He, he didn't say that in the email. Uh, we re- celebrated on Saturday since I bought some baked goods from her favorite bakery. We made a nice four-course meal. First was a heart-shaped meatloaf, followed by asparagus. The third course was mashed potatoes, and the fourth course was lava cake that she made the next day. As you can see, we did not properly time out the cooking. Thanks for the shows, and I'm excited to hear from Pablo. So yeah, we did ask, so he gave us he gave us detail. That sounds really super fun. Yeah. Okay, so Dante, for your next email, where did the painting of the tree on the wall come from? And then also, where'd you guys get married? Because it looks really pretty. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't we just email, have him on? This is going to be a <laughs> section called e- Emails with Dante. <laughs> yeah. We'll just have Dante on the show, and we'll do a quick interview so you can ask him all these questions. Well, it's interesting. All right, so we're going to um, – so we had an email from Anthony, um, Anthony Welling, and they were questions for Pablo, and so we didn't really get a chance to, like, ask him any of this stuff, but we really appreciate your email, and maybe if you can send us an email about something else, and we'll read it on the show. Well, um, let me – actually, do you mind if I – he does ask a question to Pablo. He says um, – He's wondering if there are other aliens in the Empire. Um, oh. First, aside from this, from those close to... Okay. So, yeah, he's saying, aside from those close to the Emperor, are there aliens in the Empire? Which I thought was an interesting question um, because, for the most part, when you when you watch Rebels or most of the things that you see, you typically don't see alien species in the Empire. And I was trying to think if, in canon, we had seen any. Because I know in the Legends universe, there were plenty. But um, I do believe the example that first popped into my head was um, the the Zare Leonis novels mm-hmm. when he's in the academy. I believe his coach was an alien, and there were members on his on his uh, grav ball team that were also alien, um, who were all part of the Empire. So, although they did seem to be, um, no, I don't know what's the right word for this discriminated against. Yes, discriminated against. Uh, so maybe at that time period. Uh, there were aliens in the Empire, but they were not necessarily favored to be in the Empire. So there are definitely examples of it. Um, so unfortunately, you weren't able to ask that to Pablo, but there's a little bit of an answer for you. All right. So next email is from Franklin Taylor. It says, salutations. Thoroughly enjoyed the interview with Pablo Hidalgo. Everyone was so relaxed and having fun. I, too, hope we get an Ahsoka Tano and or Ewok novel. Keep up the amazing work. P.S. One thing that has been on my mind is the lack of any written material for season two of Rebels. 
Ezra's Gamble, The Rebellion Begins, and Servants of the Empire series were incredibly fun, smaller books to read in between all the adult novels that came out last year. May the Force be with you, Franklin Taylor. If you want to follow him, he's at SpearXXI on Twitter. Uh, he he has a good point. They really haven't brought anything out written-wise about Rebels this season, and I'm wondering if it's because of the sort of protective lock that they're on with the story, because they're really not giving us anything until it comes out. Yeah, maybe in the off-season. Maybe. Between seasons we'll see some things released. I don't, I don't think things have been announced as far as I know, as far as more junior novels or anything like that. Uh, coming out or visual guides but yeah it's a good point we're not seeing a lot of that stuff right now but another side effect would probably be the focus on the force awakens in the upcoming movies that they're focusing more of the literature stuff on that right now um, mm-hmm. rather than rebels yeah all right who's up joe molinaro um subject line book stuff Good morning, bookworms. I really enjoyed your interview with Pablo. I'm glad that everybody enjoyed our interview with Pablo. That seems to be a, <laughs> seems to be a consensus here. I think it was great that you approached him like other authors and allowed him to concentrate on his book. I need to pick up a copy. I also thought it was a great idea to not bug him with story group questions. There will be plenty of time in the future to get more great insight from him. I did have a question for you about the new books. I believe in the Legends universe we were getting too much content and did not really get a chance to enjoy it because we had to jump right into the next book. And of course, it did not allow Star Wars a chance to keep up and make sure all of their authors were on the same page. I like the level and frequency of books in the new canon. I would almost like to see a new novel coming out once a quarter. That would give us a chance to keep up and really digest the characters and info that are in the books. Thanks for your time and all the great podcasts, your listener, Joe Molinaro. Uh, P.S. Teresa, you're a big Ewok fan of all the crazy stuff my parents saved of mine from when I was a kid. This Ewok phone is one of the craziest ones. I'm a 44-year-old man that has it sitting on my work desk. And then he sends a picture of none other than an Ewok phone that says, Hello, Wicket, on it. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) I actually kind of want it. Um, I think Joe has a really great point about having a book that comes out like once a quarter. It'd be like four times a year and it would give us enough time to read it and review it and all that stuff. It, it, he makes a really good point as far as like a release schedule. That would be really nice and spread out, but even, you know. And it seems kind of like it's going that way. I know we only have a couple more novels coming out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't know if they'll be spaced out quarterly, but they're they're definitely giving us less um, or fewer novels. Um, if you combine all of the stuff that's coming from all of the publishers, then it's definitely more than one a quarter. But when, if you're just talking novels from Del Rey, um, it's actually less than that right now. So mm-hmm. we shouldn't well, have any problem keeping up with the Del Rey novels. And I actually want to take this opportunity just because of the fact that he mentioned how much he liked the interview and that he does not have the Force Awakens visual dictionary. Joe, you're in luck. I have a second copy. So I am going to give that to you for emailing us and letting us know how much you like the show. So email us back and send me your address, and I will send you a copy of the Visual Dictionary. Whoa, look at that. Yeah. Teresa just giving stuff away. 
<laughs> so <laughs> you never know what's gonna happen if you send us an email. Well, you know, I didn't even know that was gonna have, happen. He doesn't have a copy of it, and I was thinking about it. I'm like, well, you know, I have two, so he can have one of mine. It's you know, paying it forward in fandom. Yeah, paying it forward. good. Paying it forward. All right, next up. Uh, I'm so glad I get to read this one. <laughs> Matt Marks. First of all, let me just say, talk a little bit about Matt Marks. Matt Marks emails like the Disney Vault Todd all the time. All the time. So, Matt, thank you for listening to Bookworms and emailing Bookworms too, because I know I'll always have an email to read because you'll always send me one. So, yes. Yes. And also, Aaron just saying, he's a frozen convert. Okay. He used to hate Frozen. I feel like God, I've heard of this stupid. guy before. I think you have. Yeah. So he's awesome, though. All right. He says, hey, Aaron and Teresa. Yeah, that's me. Teresa, you should have known that if you asked for more emails, you'd get a rambling email from yours truly, <laughs> which is good. I'm glad. I was glad to hear your review of Aftermath. So far, I had only heard reactions to the book ranging from terrible to meh. So I had decided to maybe skip it. But I think I'll read it now. I don't. I don't know when because I have so many other books I'm reading, but it's definitely on my to-read list now. My parents bought the Star Wars Golden Books, Episodes 1 through 6, for my two-year-old son, Timothy. Notice I didn't give his age in months. That's a Disney Vault Talk reference. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, This past Christmas, they're pretty good, although I noticed some factual errors where they sum up something so much that they end up saying something that didn't quite happen that way. And now that I'm writing this, I can't think of any examples. Maybe I'll have to skim through them again and get back to you. Tim hasn't quite gotten into them yet, but he does love his box of Star Wars phonics books. There's actually one of those that makes me tear up a little bit. It's called Friends to the End, and it's about Han and Chewie. The last sentence, Han and Chewie Chewie will be friends to the end, has a new meaning after the events of The Force Awakens. (laughs) That is sad. That is sad. That is sad. Keep up the great work with the show, Matt Marks. Thank you, Matt. You rock. (laughs) So you said he sends you emails uh, like every episode of Disney Vault Talk? Mm-hmm, pretty much. Okay. Or two or three of them in between as he so, thinks of things. And now he has found bookworms. So I'm we'll glad, see. though. We'll see if that happens for us. All right. Um, Don't challenge him because he'll live up to the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next email I want from him to be specifically geared toward me, though. Okay. So it's not like he's just sending emails to Teresa. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't want to feel left out. All right, next one is from Nicholas Ta. Uh, He says, Hi, I just wanted to say that I love the podcast. It's very entertaining and informative. I have just finished the audiobook for Lost Stars. It was incredible. What other audiobooks would you recommend? Also, what is your favorite Star Wars collectible that you own? Can't wait for the next podcast. Thanks, Nick. Um, Audiobooks. So... I'm actually I actually just finish up an audiobook and I don't typically do audiobooks. Um I f- I find that and I've probably said this on the show before. I find that my mind wanders during audiobooks and I don't pick up a lot of the details that I pick up when I just read the novel. Um so I've been listening to Fatal Alliance older it's an old republic novel. Um and it was all right. I didn't really like it that much. But as far as audiobooks that I would recommend, I'm trying to think. I, I have actually listened to a, quite a few Star Wars audiobooks, and the ones that I really remember liking a lot were the New Jedi Order audiobooks. So maybe that would be my answer. I don't know. I have some. Um, the Force Unleashed is a fantastic audiobook. 
And then the second Forced Unleashed is done just as well. Darth Plagueis in audiobook form is actually very, very good. Um, Daniel Davis does the narration for that one. It's really nice. A lot of the audiobooks are narrated by Mark Thompson, and those are good because I actually really like how he does his voice for those. I really like the narrator for Lost Stars, which is Pierce Craven's. Um, so I mean, I think it really depends on what kind of voices you like to hear. When I listen to audiobooks, I actually really like British voices. So anything that kind of sounds like that is pretty good. And since you just asked about audiobooks in general, the audiobook for the Rick Reardon novels, which are like uh, the Percy Jackson novels, those are really good. And then also the audiobook for Redwall by Brian Jocks is good because it's a full cast. So you get all these like, you know, like a full cast of characters and they speak like mice and stuff. So wow, it's cool. Well, he asked, <laughs> you know, your audiobooks, huh? I love audiobooks. I hear the Harry Potter audiobooks are also fantastic, but you got to get the ones that are read by Jim Dale. The ones that are read by Stephen Fry are okay, but the ones by Jim Dale are better. And I can read through the Harry Potter series like super fast. I'm on the third, I'm on Prisoner of Azkaban and I've been listening to the audiobooks for about two weeks. And so I'm plowing through, plowing through. Yeah. I'm trying to decide which, because I just recently got Audible and I'm part of the reason why I got Audible is because I want to go back through all the Legends novels that I missed there. From time to time, I would just skip one because I wasn't interested or just got busy and didn't get around to one. Um, and so that's why I read Fatal Alliance or listened to Fatal Alliance first because I was kind of trying to go in order. But now that I finished Fatal Alliance, I'm like, I don't know if I want to do another Old Republic. So I'm thinking of maybe jumping, you know, further up in the timeline, maybe hit some X-Wing novels that I missed. So trying to decide. So if anybody has any suggestions on a, the next one I should listen to, I'd love to hear it. Outbound Flight was good. That's not where you're at, but I'm just saying. I've read that, though. Okay. All right. Well, he and he also asked about what our favorite collectible is. Oh, yeah. Uh people ask me that and it kind of fluctuates. So, I'm going to focus my favorite collectible that I have on books since we're talking about bookworms right now. So, my favorite book collectible that I have, it's a toss-up between two. I have a copy of the original Star Wars novelization from the 70s that is actually from it's a book club edition book that it, there's no jacket on it or anything it's really super old smells like an old book and everything um scott rifen from my star wars story was kind of helping me figure out what it was it's not a super valuable book but it's super nostalgic to me uh and if it had the, he said something about it if it had something then it would make it more valuable i forget what it was and then the that flip-flops between that and my vault edition of the Jedi Path, which is just amazing. And you push the button and it's like, Wah. it's cool. So I have a couple book-related ones and then a non-book-related one. But uh, The Essential Reader's Companion Signed by Pablo Hidalgo is one of my favorites. Um, I also have an advanced reader copy of Star Wars Scoundrels signed by Timothy Zahn. And non-book-related... Um, just my my Poe Dameron Lego X-Wing. I love it. Like I loved building it. It sits on my desk at work. Um, it gets a lot of attention by people that walk by. Um, so yeah, that's, that's my favorite non-literature collectible that I have right now. My non-literature collectible? That's really hard. You have so it's many things. It's really hard. See, I'm not much of a collector like you are, so I have... 
very specific items, but I think you have. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say my original 80s, 1980s Ewoks that I've got. Um, one of them was bought for me by my mom, and the other one was bought for me from by Steve Glosson. He got me Nisa. So I have Wicket and Nisa, the original um, Ewok plush from the 80s. Very Those cool. Probably my favorites. Fun story. I used to have a Star Wars 80s Ewok plush. I know. It was when a I was girl. I was a kid. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know whatever happened to it, but I did have one. <laughs> all right next up is adam parker and he his subject line is just timothy's on so we got kind of interested in this he said hey aaron and Teresa, i was at the spring london comic-con this weekend and was lucky enough to meet timothy's on he signed all my hardback thrawn trilogy and was a really nice chap to talk to and he says Keep up the amazing work. The podcast is a really great listen. I'd love to hear you discuss author slash character dream teams. Who would you like to see write which characters from which era? And I think that's good as a topic for another show. But he says, take care, Adam Parker, and he's at Pikmin on Twitter. But he actually sent us a bumper to use for the show. So thank you, Adam, for picking that up for us. Of course we're going to use it. And um, we're so excited, and thank you for talking to Timothy about the show. Although I think we've talked to him about the show before. Yeah, we haven't we. Yeah, we have. Um, we have. have we? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because we we um, interviewed him, or didn't interview him, but we were moderating we panels that he was on at DragonCon. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So thank you so much for doing that, and we'll definitely put that in the rotation. Definitely. All and, three of them. And we'll have to remember. <laughs> So we don't forget, we should make a note of coming back to that question because it's a really good question about author dream teams. Um, so we'll have to make a note of that and make sure we add it to um, uh, something that we talk about in a future episode. Sounds good to me. Cool. Well, let's let's get uh, – that was all the feedback, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that was a lot of feedback we got. Thank you so much, everyone, for sending us emails. Um, you know, it's been awesome – uh, like Teresa said, we didn't get too many emails, and now suddenly we're getting all these emails. So we would love for people to continue to send us emails, and we'll continue to read them on the show. And it, it brings up fun conversation. Uh, so You know what I want to happen? I want it to happen where we get so many emails that we can't read them all on each episode of the show, and we have to do an episode that's just email feedback because <laughs> we have so many emails. This, this episode probably could have been that if we wanted, but we do have something that we wanted to review Um and that is Before the Awakening. Right. And it was written by Greg Rucka, and it was released by Disney Publishing. It came out on December 18th of 2015. It was a companion piece to Journey to Star Wars The Force Awakens character novels. Star Wars Before the Awakening is an anthology book that focuses on the lives of Ray, Finn, and Poe before the events of Star Wars The Force Awakens. I was so excited to read this. Like, yeah. Ah! Let's talk a little bit about the timing of this release um, because it did come out the day the movie came out, which a lot of, you know, there were a lot of things that came out. Um, you know, either we had Force Friday, right? Mm-hmm. And then, so we got a lot of material then, but then the next big release date for this stuff was December 18th, which was the day of the movie. And I feel like this book should have been released on Force Friday. I kind of feel like it should have too because it didn't really spoil anything. Right. It doesn't really tell you anything. Uh, I think it would have been great as like a lead up and it was awesome. Yeah, it it, it would have been a perfect lead up and uh, we can, we'll probably talk about it as we're going through kind of as we're reviewing it. But some of the details that you get in this book 
would clear up some things that were kind of confusing in the movie. And for me, I'm glad. So some, I do remember I did read this before the movie came out. I'm not remembering how I did, but I think there were some preview copies that went out, um, or at least some preview versions of the book. And somehow I did read it uh, before the movie came out. You're and a I, cheater. <laughs> I think I offered to let you read it as well, but you turned me down because no, you didn't want Because I wasn't reading anything. You didn't want to know anything. I didn't want to know anything. But, Nothing. Not a scrap. It was very helpful for me to read this uh, before the movie came out. And I really had wished that other people had that same opportunity. Um, you know, I mean, I guess you could have waited, you know, ran out and bought it first thing in the morning and then go see a later showing. But yeah, it definitely was, it was very informative. Why? Um, you know, and I like, I think we'll talk about it in each of the individual stories a little bit, but there were just certain details in the book specifically for in Poe Dameron's story and Ray's story that I thought really helped set the stage for what was going on in the force awakens. Um, and yeah, let's, let's, we'll, we'll talk about it as we go through the different characters, but the first character story is Finn's. Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of the story is he's in a squad. Uh, there's four, you know, four of these stormtroopers in a squad and it, it kind of just talks about, um, his interactions with his squad mates. He, there's actually some interaction with Hux and Phasma, or actually Phasma. Hux is in the book, but he actually interacts with Phasma. Um, so I don't know, like for me at reading this, uh, before the movie came out, it was actually really exciting because we hadn't gotten anything from a lot of these characters. So I'm reading dialogue from Hux and from Phasma, and like I remember reading it and just being all giddy about, you know, like oh my goodness, this is like the first thing I've heard Phasma say, you know, you know, in a book. But it was kind of cool to start to see these characters uh, be fleshed out a little bit before seeing them in the movies. Right. Well, and I read this after the movie came out, so it was kind of neat because I had their images in my head already of what they would look like and what they would sound like, and that kind of helped me to sort of put all of this together. So I think your experience reading this book was a lot different than mine because uh, you read it after you had seen the movie. I don't know. How many times have you seen the movie? Eight how many times? times have I seen it or how many times? How many times had you seen the movie before you read this? Uh, five before okay. I read the Finn story. I read the Finn story on its own, uh, and then I read the others just the other day. So I'd seen it like five or six times. Now I've seen it like eight, seven, eight. So you were very familiar with these characters by the time you had read the book. Um, how did you kind of feel, I guess, Finn specifically, how did you feel like his characterization was did you feel like it was pretty pretty close to what you got in the movie or was it different i thought it was consistent finn's characterization was definitely consistent and it actually enlightened me a little bit more into we already know why finn felt the way he felt i mean it that didn't really require that much of an explanation but we got more and that it had kind of been building up over time and so i like that but I think more importantly than just his characterization, my favorite thing is the like squads of stormtroopers being together and them having nicknames and stuff. And I thought it was curious that he didn't have one. And they kind of hit on that in the story, that the one that doesn't get a nickname is the one that's the outsider. And he was definitely kind of characterized as the outsider in the movie too. Yeah. The only difference I felt from this in the movie is this book really 
um, really makes it seem like he's an elite trooper. You know, he's one of the best. And, um, you know, they almost were looking at him, like when Phasma was talking about him to Hux, she was talking about how he's going to end up becoming one of the best. And and I never got that feeling from him in the movie. He, he almost came across as a little bit bumbling from time to time. So that was the only part where I felt like the book characterized him a little bit different. But, you know, I do, I do kind of agree with you as far as like the, uh, the squads and the nicknames and things like that. That was a, that was kind of a cool touch. It kind of reminded me of the Clone Wars, how all the, all the clones had these cool nicknames and it was, it was cool to see that carry over into the, uh, to the stormtroopers in the, in the first order. Well, and it helped make more sense of that scene at the very beginning when we see Slip as he, which is FN 2003, when he, like, puts the bloody hand on his helmet and why it seems to affect Finn so much. And then when the riot control trooper comes in, which is Traitor, or FN 2199, or 9s, whichever you want to go with, and why that interaction makes so much sense when he's like, traitor! <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Yeah, and there was the, I guess, Zeros was the other one. Mm-hmm. I guess he kind of got the, the short straw. <laughs> it didn't end yeah. up, he didn't <laughs> end up getting a cameo in the movie like the other two guys did. Right. But the other two guys died in the movie. So True. I guess maybe it was good for him to not <laughs> be in the movie, but. He survived, he lives. Yeah, that definitely adds when you see those scenes now after reading this book, it's kind of like, okay, now that was actually, you know, it wasn't just a random trooper that that Finn um, you know, got the blood wiped on his face by, you know, it was actually his friend or somebody that he was in a squad with. So, it adds a little bit of weight to that scene. Right. You know, we've been reading a lot of books lately that are giving us this insight into the First Order slash Imperial Academies and, you know, all that stuff. It's like Servants of the Empire and Lost Stars and mm. everything. And this kind of yeah. continued that where we got more more information about exactly how things are being done, which I actually like. I know it's not your, you know, I don't know what the right phrase is. Cup of tea. A cup of tea. <laughs> I was For some reason, I wasn't going with cup of tea. I was going Probably with Probably because like, I've said it like twice already this episode. No, I was going with like plate of food, which is <laughs> weird because it's not even a phrase that anybody uses. Nope, it's not. It's not your smoothie choice. Um, <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> so, but, uh, you know, I like that kind of stuff. I think it's just, I like the background sort of things. It's kind of like the most recent episode of Rebels. I loved it because you know how you and I like both love the mythology of the Force and the way that things kind of come together. It's sort of that same kind of thing for me. Yeah, it is. It was reminiscent as I was reading it. I was like, okay, this kind of reminds me of, you know, Lost Stars, more Servants of the Empire than Lost Stars. But you but... see how consistent it is. It's like, oh, it's they're yeah. getting it down. It's, it's it's the same. Yeah. You know, like you can see the exact same things happening from book to book, which is great because it's like, oh, consistency, yay! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's definitely not a bad thing uh, pointing out the similarities. It just, it definitely, it, it was something that came to my mind, but it wasn't a negative about the book that it was similar. Mm hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Is there anything else kind of in the Finn story that you wanted to point out? There was some, you know, some pretty cool fight scenes we get to see. I guess this sets up, you know, the, people had questioned like, oh, why was Finn able to to handle a lightsaber uh, so well? 
And I think this book kind of explains that because they did have a lot of melee combat experience um, with different weapon types. So it wasn't it wasn't abnormal for him to be able to do that. And I think this book reinforced that. Yeah. I, think, I felt like this one was shorter than the others. It did seem like not a lot happened. You know, it was, you know, the squad doing a lot of training. Um, he, he sees something in the book that, um, and I'm trying to remember details now, but I think, you know, some people were being enslaved or slaughtered or something that he witnessed um, that kind of pushed him over the edge as far as not wanting to be part of the Empire anymore. So. I agree. Okay, so now we'll go into the Ray story. This was probably my favorite out of the three because I feel like we really got a lot of background on Ray that was very helpful. Like, very helpful. Yeah. Like, explaining, like, why she's a pilot or where she's gotten her pilot training or whatever. Well, this is where you figure it out. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like this book definitely gave us uh, a better idea of the setting of like kind of where she lives and things like that. Um, and it ties in very well with her uh, journal book that I forget mm-hmm. the title of now. Ray survival guide. But, yeah. Reading this story and then reading Ray's survival guide, like kind of, you know, as a companion piece, it works perfectly. So yeah, this was looking back. This is my favorite of the three. When I first read it, I thought the Poe story was my favorite just because of certain things that happened in it. But now looking back, I think this was my favorite. It was the it was the best of the three stories. Yeah, I think it was the longest also. At least it felt like it was the longest. But essentially in this story, they kind of talk about what it's like to live on Jakku, the kind of storms that they have, you know, having to go and trade in stuff and how all that works and trading in for water. And that's one of the things the film really didn't highlight is that they actually have to sell and scavenge for water because Ankar Plett owns all the water, which is kind of screwed up. Uh, and that's why Finn can't find any waters because nobody has any. Nobody has any, yeah. I mean, you even see in the movie with Ray with her little canteen that she like tips up and she's trying to get the last drop out of it. So, yeah, definitely it was a rare commodity. But we did get an introduction of Ankar Plot here, right? You know, he's... Mm-hmm. He has some interaction with her in this. Um, you know, she's talking about, you know, what it's like to try to sell stuff to him and, you know, get her portions and things like that. All things that we see in the movie, but are first kind of introduced in this book. Right. But I think the biggest thing that they mention is how she has built, like, the inside of her home, the kind of things that she has inside of that walker. And then also that she built a flight simulator program. From stuff that she scavenged off of other ships. And so she's basically been playing computer flight simulation games like for most of her life. And so she knows how to fly all these ships in theory, knows how to fly all these ships. But it's kind of cool that she's done all of that. Yeah. And I think that's kind of another thing that, you know, people kind of had issue with, you know, watching the movie thinking oh how did how was she able to just kind of jump into the falcon and fly you know if she'd been on jakku most of her life um and never really flown anything so this the fact that she did have access to a flight simulator the book you know kind of lays out that she she not only flew you know ships like the falcon but she flew numerous different ships and kind of became an expert at it because she was doing it for so many years um so yeah that 
it definitely makes more sense of her piloting skills because of her having access to this program. Right. And then she actually finds a ship, which is pretty cool, and she's restoring it. And it blows my mind. We already knew that Ray was really smart and she was really talented at finding things and putting things back together back together and building things, but like she's really talented. And she had to get some help from a couple people, um, Devi and Shrunk, who I like to call Devi and Skunk, <laughs> because anytime I see his name, I'm like, oh, it's Skunk. Uh, but they helped her get all the pieces, and then they ultimately screw her over. Yeah, the, and it's kind of the main, I guess, part of this story is the finding of the ship and trying to to get it to in a working. You know, her her big thing is trying to get it to work, but not to necessarily leave the planet. Which you would think would be the first right. thing she... She doesn't really care about leaving the planet because she wants to stay there. She thinks whoever left her there is coming back. So her idea is more to, you know, fix this ship up to bring it to Unkar to sell it to him, you know, mm-hmm. and almost as a pride thing, you know, she wanted to kind of shock him too. Like, hey, you know, I'm going to... She had like kind of this daydream of how she's going to show up with the ship and he's going to be shocked that she was able to do that. Um, but yeah, it's kind of the main part of the story these two characters helping her out to to build the ship. Now, did you think, like, at what point did you stop trusting them, or were you surprised that they ended up ultimately betraying her? Oh, I didn't trust them at all at first. And then when they're kind of, like, guarding the ship and help her out from the Tito's to keep it safe and everything, and when they're flying it together, I was like, oh, okay, maybe they're actually good people. So it really ticked me off because I had actually started to trust them. And then when they took off of it, I was like, what? She's hungry. (laughs) Like, she needed this to get five million bajillion portions so that she would not be starving anymore. Plus, I think they took off with some of her portions with the good food in it. That were the dehydrated meals or whatever that were on the ship that she was rationing. Yeah, I was kind of exactly the same way. You know, when they first started hanging out with her and talking to her, it was almost like they were targeting her, you know, to scam her. And I didn't trust them at all. But then as the story went on and there were, you know, different times where they kind of proved themselves, then I was like, oh, no, these people are really trying to help her and they're good. And then they go and betray her and fly off with the ship. So, yeah, I was... By the end of it, I was just like, ah, you know, I can't believe I fell for it. Just like she fell for it, I fell for it too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, they, I mean, they definitely they did a good job in deceiving you. Yeah, making they were, you think they were interesting characters. I liked how, you know, the girl Devi seemed to be the brains of you know the two, and he was kind of just the the brawn. Um, it was kind of a an, a fun a fun little du- duo to read about, and um, you know, well written characters. So it was good. It was a good story. Yeah, again, it's my favorite one out of all of them. And then we move on to Poe's story, and Poe's story is still pretty good, and it definitely leads you up. These stories lead you up into right before the events of The Force Awakens. So, for instance, like Finn ends with him going to go and be a part of the squadron that's going to go and land on Jakku. Uh, And then this one ends, you know, just with the story and about the ship disappearing and having to go back to her normal scavenger life, which is where we find her. And then this one with Poe takes you right up to where he gets sent on a mission by Leia to go see, to go find Lor Santeca. And to go find Luke really is what she says, which I thought well, was really exciting. Right. But, but he has to go 
like from the events of the movie. Right. We know that he's going to because of the seeing the movie. We know he's actually going to see Laura Senteca, but going just by this book, she's basically sending him on a mission to find Luke. Right. Which is what I was saying earlier when I said that initially when I read this, the Poe story was my favorite because I got really excited when I read that line. Because <laughs> I didn't know and anything about the And it didn't turn book. out that way. No. I didn't know anything about the movie at the, at that point. And so when I'm reading this, like, oh my goodness, he's going to find Luke Skywalker. Um, you know, I was really excited to see Luke Skywalker in The Force Awakens. Little did I know I was going to have to wait till the very end of The Force Awakens and only get him for a few seconds, but, you know. So this story kind of falls into my, I don't know, the area of Star Wars books that I don't like, which is where there's just space battle after space battle and a bunch of stuff going on because I can't visualize it. My brain just doesn't work that way, so I can't see it. So when space battles start happening, I I speed read through it and get the gist of what's happening, and I just move on to the next spot where there's no more space battle. So for me, there was a lot of that happening with this one. I did enjoy the characterization of Poe. It felt the same as the film, and I liked all of the details about his parentage and about his mom dying and you know all that stuff and the things with his father and him not trusting the um, the New Republic and I could tell, I was like, oh, this is going to tell how he, how he goes into being a part of the resistance. And so that whole part of the story I loved. And I laughed out loud when he meets Leia for the first time. And, you know, they he's acting all just kind of like weirded out and everything. But then when she sends him to go and locate the ship, <laughs> she's like, I need you to go find this particular ship and he's like okay and she's like and I need you to steal it and I just started laughing because I was like oh my god that's great and then he's like would you like me to steal something else for you too and I was I could just hear it in my head I could hear Oscar Isaac (laughs) just like that's fantastic yeah I think my the main thing I really liked about this story was it was kind of giving you an idea of what the resistance was as compared to the New Republic and mm-hmm. how they weren't necessarily the same entity. And, you know, I think that was something else that was cleared up in this book that you didn't really get a sense for in the movie. Um, they kind of lay it out in this book how, you know, it's more of a splinter group um, that is not necessarily being supported by the New Republic, but there are members of the New Republic that are part of the splinter group. So I liked that it, it gave that detail and, um, yeah, and showing the way he was recruited in. Yeah, that was probably one of the highlights. Then there was another line that was really good. It was towards the end of the book where Leia says, all you fly boys are the same. And Poe Dameron says, some of us are fly girls. And I was like, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> props to the girls. Because <laughs> he has girls on his squad. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely does. But. So it was a good story. I think it was. It's definitely worth reading, and it helps you kind of understand Poe more. It helps you really get an idea of who he is and just how awesome of a pilot he is. And he talks about you know his love for his X wings and things like that. But it's definitely for those people that are fans of like pilot books. Yeah, if you're big into the X wing novels and and those type of type of stories, this this fits in well with those type of 
those type of stories. And, you know, I think overall I'm kind of with you on the whole space battle thing in general, but this, because it was such a short story and it was just the excitement of reading about a new character, um, it actually didn't bother me that much this time around. Um, and a lot of it was more, you know, them infiltrating that ship and, and things like that where it was still, although a space battle, you know, they weren't in their X-Wings the entire time, or at least he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, really, really good story. Actually, as a whole, this this whole thing, the all three stories, I think were really, really fun to read. And it was a really solid book. I really, I really liked it a lot. Me too. I think it's definitely a book that everybody needs to read. And even people who aren't sold on the whole idea of, oh, well, it's a kid's book, blah, blah, blah. If you're, you need to listen to the interview that I did with Jason Fry on Fangirls Going Rogue with my co-host over there because, like, that whole characterization like that, it's just really not fair. And you're actually missing out on a lot of really good canon story that will help you understand this, the characters more. And this one specifically will really help you understand our new heroes, like, so well. Yeah, and this is um, we I think we already said who wrote it, Greg Rucka, mm-hmm. but he's kind of a name that's popping up a lot now with uh, some of this new canon stuff. He wrote this. He also wrote the um, the Han Solo novel, uh, Smuggler's, Smuggler's Run. Run, and then I believe he did Shatter's, Shattered Empire as well, mm-hmm. which is the Marvel comic. So he's writing some, uh, you know, he's writing these novels for Disney Press, but then he's also writing comics for Marvel. So, um, yeah, and so far everything I've seen from him I've really liked. Yeah, I mean, he's overall a really good author from what I can tell. So I think if we can get him on a Del Rey novel, that would be awesome because I love the way he writes. But before we st- before we wrap up, what did you think about, because this book um, did actually have a lot of art, um, you know, the cover art and then just the different images throughout the stories. Um, how did you like the art? I liked it. I thought it was a good break, too. It gave you a second to kind of rest your eyes and sort of like visualize some of the things. I like the, I think I liked Finn's the best though. For some reason, it was really cool. It's the one I remember the most. Anyway. Yeah. And these are, this is uh, the arts by Phil Noto, who is another name that pops up a lot. Um, he's, he's doing a lot of the Marvel comics um, art for the different series. I think he's doing the Chewbacca series. He's done a, t- a ton of covers for the different series. Um, and he's doing uh, all the covers for these books, um, as well as the interior art. So yeah, he's, and I really like his style a lot. So, um, it definitely works well, uh, to have these images within these stories. I I hope they kind of, the Disney press books, I hope they do that, uh, moving forward as they do more of these junior novels. Are you, uh, anything else you want to talk about on the book or are you ready to wrap up? Ready to wrap up. And on our next episode, we aren't really sure what we're doing. Well, we had a plan. We were going to do comics tonight, too, but we just kind of ran out of time. So we're probably going to move that to our next episode where we're going to be wrapping up the um, Servants of the Empire series and then also covering Star Wars Volume 1. So we'll get a bunch of stuff knocked out on that one. So you can find us on Twitter. We're at SWBookworms. You can email us, StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. And you can like us on Facebook. Um, We're putting posts of a lot of these new release stuff coming out. Uh, There's information over there about um, the Poe Dameron uh, event that's coming up at the comic book shops. We have information over there on Facebook as well as information about 
um, the Star Wars Podcast Awards, if you want to know more about that. Uh, all kinds of things over there. Facebook, just look us up, search for Star Wars Bookworms, and you'll find us. Uh, you can also leave us a review on iTunes. If you enjoy our show, we'd love for you to head over to iTunes, leave us a nice five-star review. Those are our favorite kind. You can, um, all right, we already talked about the Podcast Awards, and uh, you can find Teresa on Twitter and Instagram at IceGoldPenguin. You can find me at A.V. Goins. So until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you.